Welcome to Time Play 3HR. My name's Louis, and um, this week, Lockie's not here. It's just me, so obviously I'm going to indulge completely and talk entirely about Gran Turismo. Uh, history, future, uh, its bizarre tone and, and blah 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 creative choices. All the while playing random old 3HR hits that I've recorded um, throughout the years. Yeah, talk about <laughs> self-indulgence. about Gran Turismo and I want to play some random bits of music that yeah I recorded probably most of these random songs were like intro songs that um uh <laughs> I probably recorded within the first year um just kind of on a whim maybe like for a solo app and all that sort of thing something where it felt like it needed a slightly different piece of music or sometimes just completely randomly um and they're just kind of lost to time I only ever used them like once maybe twice um, for something, so I thought it'd be fun just to randomly break up this um, very long um, chat about Gran Turismo. Um, uh, yeah, I thought it'd be fun to break it up with some random bits of music um, for the podcast. As we're talking about the history <laughs> of Gran Turismo, we can also um, enjoy the <laughs> the deep, sorted, rich uh, musical history of Time Play 3HR. Of course. It was nice to hear them again. It's been quite some time. Um, yeah, so without further ado, let's roll on the first one. We'll start with something simple um, and get talking about Gran Turismo. I got three. I got I got I got three. I got three. I got three. I got three more. Um, Gran Turismo 7 just came out, and I think I kind of want to talk maybe more holistically around the entire series, and specifically Gran Turismo itself. Um, I have a, a, a long, it's probably the series that I have um, some of, if not the most, I guess, nostalgia for. And I think, for me, at this point, it's almost it's almost more interesting to me as a brand than a game. Like, I, I, I definitely waned in my interest on the Gran Turismo series sort of throughout the course of the PS3 period. Um, Gran Turismo got less and less exciting to me with each um, entry. And at this point, the things that I most look forward to um, when these games come out is is something, something else than just playing them. Um, and I guess I wanted to talk about that. I want to talk about this, the the history of the series a bit because I think it is a weird series, and I think one of one of the things that stands out to me is if you are not a racing game fan or a Gran Turismo fan, you know, you haven't maybe played one. I don't know since since you were at your mate's house on their PS2 or something. Um, 
it can look like a very standard, high quality, but standard racing simulator. You know, it's a game where you quite obviously drive very nicely modeled cars um, with nice reflections um, around real world tracks. Um, uh, and I think that is absolutely an accurate description <laughs> um, of... Um, of Gran Turismo, you you know you you have to watch the driving line, you have to break before the corners, um, and you get punished for treating it like an arcade racer. You get punished for cutting corners and ramming into other drivers, and that's all true. and And that's true of the racing game simulator genre as a whole. But but I think I Gran Turismo um, has has this allure to it that I think others are lacking or at least aren't interested in replicating. It has this distinction and almost this, like, this sort of level of bizarreness that you can't really see until you get closer to them. Um, And that's why I love the series, even though I don't have the same interest in sort of playing them anymore. Um, there is always this, yeah, this feeling of odd around Gran Turismo, which I, uh, which I'm sort of quietly addicted to. And I think that's made up of a bunch of different things. Um, uh, but maybe before I go into that, I kind of just want to talk about my, just a slight touch on my history, which I've probably covered over whatever, how many years we've been doing this podcast, five years. My, uh, my dad bought a PlayStation 1 and Tomb Raider 2, and I think he must have bought Gran Turismo 1 at the same time. Um, I don't know what year that was, but after those games were all out. Um, and my, he just kind of bought it because he thought it would be like a neat, he thought it was a neat toy, I think, like a neat gadget for the house. Um, I don't think he really planned on playing it, you know, he probably thought me and my sister would enjoy it, which we did. My dad's always been, still is, very big into his cars, and I was also, because of that, but I think Gran Turismo and racing games in general was kind of like a meeting point for us. Um, That was a way for me to explore his passion and hobby of cars in a way that was maybe slightly more engaging than walking around a showroom looking at old cars. Um, although I did quite quickly come to enjoy that as a kid. Like, I, it definitely helped, like, to be able to, like, play a video game. And so so that really is why I have, such, I think that's where the sort of strong nostalgia for Gran Turismo comes from. And that loops into the the identity of the brand of Gran Turismo in general. Um, if you if you were to talk about like PlayStation and Sony, um, even as a wider sense, Gran Turismo is like for me the the most obvious thing to call out. Like this is like this is the for me this is the defining game brand whatever you want to call it of Sony and PlayStation is Gran Turismo. And obviously, lots of people will have different interpretations of what that is. Um, but Gran Turismo, especially during PS1, PS2 era, was, like, huge, huge. It's kind of hard to imagine it now, but Gran Turismo, Gran Turismo 3 and 4 were, like, these massive releases. Um, and the Gran Turismo series has always sold way more than you think it does. Um, you know, especially in Europe, um, racing games and Gran Turismo especially is a, is a big seller for Sony. And, is, and I think is probably still... Um, 
one of their best-selling series of of all time. Definitely their best, one of their best-selling, if not the. Um, and I and it's something I find quite fascinating about that because a driving games don't interest most people, but um, seemingly lots and lots of people play them, kind of almost like football games. Um, but they don't talk about them. But also Gran Turismo seems to withhold and maybe even inspired PlayStation and Sony's general tone when it comes to marketing and, like, the brand as it stands. Um, <laughs> you could, like, uh, yeah, so I'm not talking about the games, right? I'm talking about how they represent um, themselves, how Gran Turismo represents itself. And I, and I guess that is, yeah, it's obvious that at, that at this point in my life, that is the thing that I find more interesting, the actual game itself. But Gran Turismo, even sort of on the way back to the PlayStation 1, but definitely PS2 area up to now, has had this increasingly kind of almost over-the-top presentation of a kind of a luxury product. Um, It presents itself as this kind of pseudo-sophisticated, maybe what I would describe as like aspirational luxury, in that, like, it's high quality and it's well made and it's um, precise, um, but it's 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 definitely reaching for it. It's not kind of there. It's definitely like new money in a sense. Like it, it's it's um, it it feels a lot. It feels akin to um, and then imagine deliberately so. It feels akin to like a high end perfume brand or. I mean, more obviously, like, like Mercedes. To me, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this this might not hit for a lot of people listening, if you don't care about cars. But for me, Gran Turismo is pretty close to the way the Mercedes brand represents itself, especially maybe like five, ten years ago. Um, of yeah, this kind of yeah, aspirational luxury. Um, and what I mean by that is like this this feeling of like this is high quality, this is expensive. Um, um, and shiny and well-made, but for some reason, the the dashboard is still made of plastic, and I, and I can't explain why. <laughs> yeah, I can't explain why they made this decision. There must be a good reason why you don't think the dashboard is worth not filling up with gross tacky bits of sil- painted silver plastic, but it, but it is that way. Um, yeah, and to me, that, that really sums up Gran Turismo as a whole. Um, Really reaching for that sense of um, premiere um, and luxury. I got three more hours till this day is done. I got three more hours till this game is won. I got three more hours till the mics are on. I got three more hours. But where's Louis gone? Polyphony Digital and the developers are, are Japanese, um, and they uh, are quite are quite quiet and reserved around the development process. I think almost it almost comes across to me, at least, as this level of like arrogance. Um, and I don't mean that as in they are arrogant, but it's how it sometimes feels. Of um, they're sort of quiet, reserved. They make their games and then they release them and then they go away and make the next one. Um, and that's also probably just because I live in the West and, and don't have access to. I'm sure they talk a lot more in Japan, um, but that stuff doesn't really make it overseas as much. Uh, it feels almost like Rockstar, the developers of Gran Turismo, not Gran Turismo, um, Grand Theft Auto, in, in that sense of like 
we work on our thing. You don't bother us. We don't bother you. And then we make the thing and it makes lots of money. And then we go back and do our thing. Um, and the other thing about them being Japanese, which I find quite fascinating is it also has this kind of jazzy cafe, French inspired cafe kind of tone, um, to the point now where Gran Turismo 7, one of its defining, um, progression like features is that you go to this literal coffee shop, um, which I, I, it's, it's amazing. Like that, that, it's like it's 3D rendered like so you, so you don't walk into it it's a menu and it loads into this um this room this cafe in the middle of a nice forest basically um and in there um it just kind of pans over shots of <laughs> of coffee and plates and um and fake wood <laughs> um and that like it's exactly how the mercedes showroom would look if you went to buy a mercedes the, the difference is there'd be a massive there'd be a big car in the middle of the room and at the corner there'd be these kind of this there would be the the gran turismo cafe there would be <laughs> there would be um overpriced coffee made from nespresso and um and some faux leather chairs and sort of some dark um uh plastic wood <laughs> you know and like this this feeling of of luxury but actually like the, the the quality behind it is not necessarily there um and it's amazing they just went and rendered that out <laughs> that's that that's it like there's no yeah it's it's fascinating and i love that stuff um and and while you're there you get to listen to well the soundtrack to gran turismo is also a very good um example of that like there's a lot of just um uh, yeah, classical music covers or sort of elevated jazz music. I love the music of Gran Turismo. Um, I love the I love the menu music of Gran Turismo. I find the the music, the background music they play when you race, um, often is n- definitely not my taste. Um, which whatever, but the, but the um, yeah, the elevated music stuff that just plays while you're like browsing the menus is just absolutely wonderful. Um, like yeah, I went. I think the first time I went and got one of my cars washed in Gran Turismo Seven, it just started playing um, a cover of The Entertainer. <laughs> and it's like, what? It's it's so yeah. Um, wonderful wonderful strange and not only that but like it comes up like it's so proud of it it's playing the entertainer right so it comes up with the song name and like who's doing the rendition of it and wonderful um so it has yeah i think that makes it a very distinct vibe um which i don't think you can tell from the outside if you don't play gran turismo and it's something that has been with the series forever and coming back to like how i think that that tone has influenced playstation and sony as a whole these days sony is like so hard playstation in general if we start with from playstation like playstation is going really hard into this like idea that it is a luxury console compared to the others that's sort of current tilt um and it's backing that up with like higher prices for games etc um but yeah it definitely gives the sense that like this is the adult thing it's always been this way like this is the one for adults this is the um this is the the premium product you buy if you want um the mature well-made games um for 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 big boys and girls 
um, which I personally find quite draining. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting that I think, I feel like Gran Turismo almost pushed, inspired them with that direction. You know, I think when the PlayStation 1 came out, not that I remember it specifically, but looking back, it seems to have gone for, again, an ad- adult crowd. But the, but the, at this point, the adults were in their like early 20s and late late teens. And, and it went for the kind of rave culture and, and like... Um, especially in like Europe and the UK, it definitely went for like that slightly more like gritty, um, edgy vibe. And they've always, their marketing's always been quite edgy, or at least it was definitely at the start. And over time it's, yeah, it's evolved along with Gran Turismo into this more like, no, you're 35 and you're maybe thinking about having kids and wouldn't it be nice to buy a Mercedes? Um, and I don't know, there's that, that synergy or whatever is, is, is a fascinating one to me. Three more hours Three more hours Until I can stop This charade Three more hours Until I can stop Playing this game But Lucky's gone away Lucky's gone away So it's just me today then the other thing I think that makes Gran Turismo stand out for better and worse is it's consistently made wonderfully bizarre, painfully depressing, creative and technical decisions. Um, Gran Turismo as a whole has has always been a technical showcase. Um, it is the game that you buy if you want to show off your new PlayStation, especially like PS2 era. It's it's um, it's uh, it really showed off what the PlayStation could do. Um, and actually, funnily enough, um, uh, Digital Foundry, which is a YouTube uh, channel. I don't know. I have actually, they might have, they must have their own website. Maybe they're even owned by like Eurogamer or something. Anyway, um, my my experience with them is that they are a YouTube channel um, uh, made up of a few people that um, are kind of, I feel like industry industry has kind of accepted them as like the place to go if you want technical breakdowns on like um, why games technically work or don't work the way they work. They they are famous for doing their like frame rate analysis across like different platforms and versions of games. Um, and they also do this series called Digital Foundry Retro or DF Retro. Um, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, apologies, but he he does um, those that series, and um, they're a really interesting sort of sort of tilt on the video game long form essay they sort of take it from a a more technical standpoint and it's nice to look at the technical um stuff of older games i feel like that doesn't get covered when you talk about older games as much so it's an interesting um angle anyway he's just released um a two-part series i think it's only two-part i don't think there's another one covering the gran turismo series from playstation one um up to the end of PlayStation 2 and then touching very lightly on PS3. I don't think he's going into the PS3 stuff, um, which is a shame because I think in a way the PS3 stuff is, for me at least, is is the, is the most interesting in terms of, well, it's most interesting, I think, in terms of the brand, maybe less interesting in terms of technically speaking. Um, I'm just saying that because if you, if you want to hear more about the technical side of Gran Turismo, it's really good stuff, um, really, really interesting. Um, so... Gran Turismo has always been technically really impressive, um, but alongside that, they have also just been consistently making, yeah, fascinating, creative, technical decisions. 
um, throughout their history. And that's another thing that I think, yeah, it's another thing that if you haven't played a Gran Turismo game, you wouldn't or really, you wouldn't really see that when you look at it from the outside. Um, I think like, so some of the, some of the stuff that really sticks out to me is, um, and this is a, this is a kind of a lighter one, but from the, I think, I think it was Gran Turismo 4, which was the last, if I'm not mistaken, PS2 game, um, which was absolutely massive. Um, lot, a lot of, lot of stuff in that game. Um, and they added this kind of photo mode and this was a long time before, like, you know, you got to PlayStation 4 era and then everyone had like a, um, press L3 in to suddenly swap to a mode where you can take a screenshot and pose your characters or whatever and change their facial blah, blah, blah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was like, it was on the PS2 and you would, you would, um, hop into this mode and, and you would, you would take take photos of the cars on in the replay mode and um you could change the i think you could change like exposure and some of the aperture stuff um and then it would render out like a high glossy uh screenshot for you and it would save it like on i don't know on your memory card that you could look at i remember playing around with it a bit um and thinking it was just bizarre as as a kid and and um but cool and and like oh i'm i took this nice photo of my thing and there's something wonderful about like that that memory card of my PS2 is is probably long gone, but like somewhere somewhere degrading in the earth <laughs> for another two three hundred thousand years um, is a screenshot of like I don't know probably just a freaking you know um, a GT40 or whatever was on the front of the cover. Like there's a, some photo of some car I liked at the time um, just sitting on a memory card somewhere. Um, and then that's something that has become ever present throughout, and they've made like fascinating decisions and focuses on on that stuff. And it's an example of how the Grand Turismo series often picks a thing that I don't feel like anyone's really asking for, like a technical thing that requires a huge amount of work, and then hyper focuses on it for the next series, for the next entry. Um, all the while there's these like things that are like, why did you not do this though? Like, like, so one of the big ones is the sound of the Gran Turismo series for a long time, um, was really lacking compared to its competitors. Um, especially when you get into the PS3 era and the first few releases of, the P- of PS3 Gran Turismo games, the engine noise specifically, you like, that's the first thing you would hear about Gran Turismo as like a negative is like, why do all the cars sound like lawnmowers? And that existed for years and years. And it sounds like a really stupid thing. But when a game is positioning itself, branded and sold as like the premier um, driving simulator, uh, and it takes a, and, it, and you know, they are sold as like artisanal, technically specific, highly detailed creators that spend a lot of time modeling these cars and these tracks to be as accurate as possible. Um, and then the car looks amazing and the track looks amazing and you get in and the dashboard's all beautifully rendered and you start driving and then it sounds like, um, yeah, it sounds like a lawnmower. It sounds like a vacuum cleaner. Um, and that always really confused people, which is kind of fair enough. And especially when you like, highlight that against like the massive amount of effort that went into and complexity that in that went into these photo modes these like very optional things that that i imagine a large percentage of their player base never even touch um at this point gran turismo 7 and i think this started i think this was with within the ps3 era while the while the lawnmower stuff was still (laughs) was still prevalent um they introduced these things called scapes where they effectively um 
it's I I don't know the technical specifications of how this really works, but they went and started to take real life um, uh, 360 photography, effectively, or like not quite just a standard photograph, like this kind of like 3D depth um, photography. So these very these very very real photographs um, that were taken. Um, of real places, beautiful places, and then you could place your your 3D rendered model of car um, with whatever paint job you picked and put it somewhere in that um, photograph scene uh, and then mess around with typical camera options. Um, uh, and even, like, I don't know if this was in the other ones or if it's new to GT7, but, like, mess with, um, like, the panning of the cameras to get, like... Um, to get like blur from the background so that it looks like the car's moving and, and tracking and, and all that kind of stuff. And like shutter speed has been in it for a long time, but like all that kind of stuff to the point now, now where like it's a, it's a, it's, you can take some really amazing car photography. <laughs> um, as, and like, um, and it's cool. It's super neat little toy part of your racing game. Um, but looking at that stuff, it's always hard to be like, why? Why do the cars sound like vacuum cleaners, though? Um, and that sounds really entitled, like I guess, and I, I guess it is. Um, and I and I don't begrudge them in a way. Like I'm I'm kind of happy for them to make those creative decisions, and and it's what makes the series interesting. But it is always super fascinating, and that's the kind of stuff, to be honest, at this point that I'm always kind of <laughs> looking for when I play a new Gran Turismo. It is not to you know go through the standard progression system that they always have of here's twenty grand buy a used mazda drive it round a track for three laps um and now buy a slightly nicer car and a slightly nicer car until you've raced all the tracks and now you have lots of cars um the progression is is again i think another one of those areas for me at least that is tired and needs a mix-up um they've done it a little bit with gt7 um not enough in my opinion to be honest at this point for me at least and maybe other people have been here for years, but the nostalgia loop of this is literally exactly the same structure, really, that the PlayStation 1 and definitely, like, PlayStation 2, Gran Turismo 4 um, has that kind of, like, it's kind of looped back into, like, oh, actually, this is, like, you know, this is really comforting. Like, I am just going through exactly the same motions I did um, 20 years ago. And so now I don't really even begrudge that kind of stuff anymore. Three more hours I got left of this game Three more hours I got left, I got left yeah they, they've made just a consistently with almost every series with every entry they make an interestingly weird decision um not even talking about the fact that like they often will release demos or smaller versions of their games before they release the full version of the thing um so like gran turismo 5 had gran turismo prologue um they've often released these kind of like hd or demo or these things that like here's a track with like three cars and now we're going to go away and make a game for three years and that game's not going to have as much content as you expect it to either but it'll be the next one um they've obviously they obviously struggled i think with like the transition from ps2 to ps3 which a lot of people did 
Um, and especially coming off like Gran Turismo 4, which was just content packed and was at the end of the PlayStation 2's life, moving into the PS3 <laughs> of like having to suddenly completely rewrite everything and remodel everything. And so you had like, I think, I can't remember, it's like some ridiculous number of cars, like 800 cars. Um, and um, lots of different effects and, and, you know, you had wet weather and you had rally racing and you had all these features that um, I think as a player, you just expect, oh, well, you've got Gran Turismo 5 coming out, so it should be the same, if not more. But the problem for a developer is that um, they're now having to build on a completely different uh, platform, the PlayStation 3, which was notoriously difficult um, to develop for, especially in the first few years. And... And you have to start from scratch. So you sort of suddenly go from having 800 cars and like 100 tracks or something ridiculous to being like, okay, well, now we have to render these cars with like 10 times the polygons with all these different lighting effects going on. We do not have time (laughs) to do 800 of those cars. And so like you got, I think before you got GT5, you got Gran Turismo HD and Gran Turismo 5 Prologue. And then you got Gran Turismo 5. And I don't remember how many cars were in Gran Turismo 5, but it was not anywhere near um, Gran Turismo 4. And I think that, coupled with progression staying the same, weird decisions like focusing on something like a photo mode while your cars still sound terrible, started to lead to Gran Turismo feeling old, tired, and a little flat. And especially when you had like Forza Motorsport really coming into its own, um, they started to release the Horizon series, which um, had a lot more sort of uh, excitement and, and was something different for the racing genre in general. Um, Gran Turismo really started to falter, I think, from PS3 onwards. And I think only really with GT7 has it felt like it started to come back. Gran Turismo Sport felt like another misstep. It was constantly like these like reviews for these games were like, this is okay, this is good, this is Gran Turismo, but it's, but it's, but it's not anything special. Um, it doesn't have as many cars as you want. It doesn't have as many tracks as you want. Everything still sounds weird. Um, but you can take nice photographs. Um, so it really is in its own world. And I think that's that's something that I really love. And it's the thing I look forward to. Is And I hope it stays in its own world. I hope it continues to be that. I wish, in a way, you know, part of me wants it to be like, God, please just change something like that actually matters. <laughs> um but also another part of me hopes that Gran Turismo 8 and onwards are just more of the same weird, strange decisions. Like, I didn't, I don't really follow the production of them anymore like I used to. Um, um, so I didn't know about whatever was coming in GT7. I didn't buy it on launch day, that sort of stuff. Um, and the first thing that comes up, and again, this is just another example of like, not knowing what Gran Turismo is until you play it. The first thing that happens when you boot into Gran Turismo is you play something. It just basically forces you to play this thing called Music Rally, which I have only done that one time. Um, I've played the game for like 20, 30 hours. I've only done the Music Rally once. And I just have like, I can't even describe what it was. It is So I think it was while the game was installing, it was like, hey, check out this new thing we did for, for reasons. And all I could figure out, so what it was, and uh, it, so you, you're in a car, you drive around a track, and it's a time trial with checkpoints. So, like, you have to get to the next checkpoint um, before before the time runs out. And when you get to the checkpoint, you get more time to get to the checkpoint after that. Um, so it's kind of that, like, stacking feeling. 
but we're also going to play some classical music over the top, but we're going to give it a drum beat. So it's got a bit more like obvious rhythm. And then at the top of the screen, we've got like almost this kind of um, guitar hero, like this is like a hundred and whatever, 160 BPM kind of um, um, metronome thing going on. And I have no idea how those things connect. I have no idea if I was supposed to be driving faster or slower, depending on the set rhythm, which was always the same throughout. Um, or if I was supposed to just be driving as fast as I can while freaking, I don't know. Um, what's that Bumblebee song? That was, that was the flight of the bees. <laughs> like that's the kind of tone, right? You've got whatever that song is called. I'll play it now. Flight of the bees playing and you're in some random whatever car, not the fastest car in the world, just some random car on a track I had never seen before. Um, I did that and it was like, oh, nice. Well done. You got like silver or something. And then, and then I could play Gran Turismo. <laughs> Um, and it's that kind of stuff that's just like absolutely extraordinary. The one other thing, the one other fascinating creative decision, which I'm sure has um, an amazing reason behind it. Um, and that's the thing about all these decisions is that, you know, like this was like really considered and someone that development team spent a huge amount of time figuring this out and being like, this is what we're going to do. And this is why we're going to do it. And, and we've got this issue and Sony's saying this and we want to do this and and the public says this, but but we, to be honest, we kind of just ignore what everyone else says, and we just do what we want to do, and this is what we want to do. Um, and they all feel like that, and I wish I wish I knew more about that stuff, um, because it makes me feel like a dick if I, like, critique it, because you know there's a reason for it. Um, but one of the th- most amazing ones to me was always, and I d- actually don't remember which Gran Turismo this was, it was one of the PS3 ones. I think it was six, but it may have been five. Um, Again, as that kind of backlash of like, we don't have enough cars. We used to have 800 cars. And now in the PS3 area, we only have like 200 cars or whatever. Um, They ripped the original models from the PS2 games um, uh, and just like stuck them into the PS3 games um, and kind of upscaled them. Um, and maybe did a slight, slight added maybe a few more polygons here and there to kind of smooth the the corners of the cars over. But but for the most part, like they were very clearly PS2 game models, and they didn't like hide behind it. They um they were like they literally had two different tiers. So they had these are the premium cars, as in these are the cars that we have modeled from scratch, and these are the cars that are in Gran Turismo Four, um, and maybe some from Three or whatever. And there was such a clear distinction between the two, and it's such a strange um, choice um, because it was so obviously ugly. (laughs) You would, like, have this, like, ridiculously beautifully modeled car, and then you'd have this lovely model from 10 years ago or whatever, um, and it just stuck out. Not only that, but they didn't have, like, cockpit view, so you couldn't see the dashboard. So if you went into the cockpit, it was just, like, a black blacked out hole with a window in the front um and it's actually it's kind of hard to describe how how like rough some of these looked i remember um yeah looking at some of them and like just like i remember i can't remember what it was it was some stupid nissan cube or something along those lines a car that no one would ever pick from 1998 that sort of thing um and and like the just like these the pic- the pixels, they weren't pixels. I think it was just, like, lacking in aliasing around the headlights. But these massive, like, squares, these chunky squares around the headlight. 
um, I remember the thing that shocked me most was like, um, again, coming back to the photo mode, the, um, you would go into photo mode if you had one of these standard cars and if you got too close to the car, it would say you, you went, you're not allowed to take this photograph. Um, because because they didn't they didn't want you to take photograph of how ugly the cars were so like if you, you had to like stand back to um to appreciate their ps2 models um just an extraordinary decision which they haven't continued um and um gt7 has has like a has more cars and it feels like at this point they um i think after the ps3 generation they've been able to build off that stuff because graphics and stuff doesn't seem to have changed like that huge leap from ps2 to ps3 so they can kind of build on top of stuff now um but yeah that was such a fascinating thing lucky's been traveling around the world he's got no time for me that don't mean he can't take a mo to do some podcasting Another example of Gran Turismo having an interesting hyper-focus of a thing um, is in GT7, the most recent one, um, they have this kind of... They've had, like, history and kind of, like, museum stuff before in the series. So, like, um, maybe when you're in a car dealership for um, Volkswagen, you can go to their, like... There's, like, a little museum section, which is just, I don't know, some very simple sort of PowerPoint presentation thing um, about, like, the history of the brand. Um, um, but this time, um, they kind of went, like, all out on that where I think I think every brand has, like, its history laid out in, like, however long the brand is. But, like, if it's a long stand, if it's, like, a Ford, it's, like, I don't know, it's literally, like, a 100 slide powerpoint presentation um um man i wonder if it was actually even designed in powerpoint it was probably designed in like indesign so it's like literally like picture um on the left and text on the right um or picture full screen and a short caption underneath usually about whatever car was released in 1972 um uh and what the how that was you know what the brand was going through at the time um, so I like when I was first started playing GT7, I was I started like just messing around with that, just kind of looking at um, the history of something. I don't know what brand, what some random brand I picked. Um, <clears throat> and I was going through this, and I was like, "Oh, this is you know, this is nice, this is cute." Like the 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 history of cars according to Gran Turismo, it's like it's nice, and like I could totally see along with something like a photo mode and a racing simulator how this would fit into the bracket of the kind of person that might want to be playing this sort of game. And I'm personally enjoying it, so I don't know why I'm removing myself from that. <laughs> I am one of those people. Um, um, and then I like backed out one, and I realized that they've um. 
they kind of overlay the history of each car brand with <laughs> with seemingly the history of the world. <laughs> um, so it's like it's like um, there's like yeah beneath beneath your brand of choice that you're looking at, there's this like underlining like this is what was going on in in the world at this period of time. I I can't remember now. I need to look at it again. Like um, where it starts and it ends at um. Uh, obviously the release of GT7, I imagine, I, I don't remember, sometime this year. Um, and um, But yeah, it's it's just like the, the history according to Gran Turismo of the world, um, which is a very weird thing. So you're like, some of it's more relevant. You know, some of it's like, oh, sure, I can see why you feel you need to put that there. But out of it's just like, literally like, oh, and, and um, 1994, the, the year, um, the year... Spice Girls released their first debut album, or like, ah, yes, uh, 98, the, the year Skype was invented, or ah, yes, um, 2020, uh, coronavirus, like, it's, it's so odd, um, it's so odd, um, but I love it, like, I, I love it, and at any moment you can just be like, cool, what was, what was, um, what was, um, I don't know, Mini Cooper doing, doing at the time of, um, doing at the time of the Vietnam War. Oh, they just released. <laughs> um, and it's so, it's so bizarre. Yeah, again, another example of just like, yeah, some decision. And I mean, it loops, it loops into like a lot of stuff for me around um, this, the weird, I think I've talked about this. I think I talked about it weirdly recently on, on the show, on this show, on this podcast, um, just about, maybe we talked about it when we are talking about Forza or about, how these these games are effectively massive adverts for car manufacturers um um and i'm so curious confused uncomfortable generally just yeah inquisitive over over like what the relationship is between the developer of the game and the car producer like what 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 part of these things are considered advertisements? What part of them is considered, um, uh, like what what stuff would be there and wouldn't be there depending on um, if a brand was involved? So like an obvious one which comes up all the time is like damage and like scratches and and like real like crushing of a car. Often in the Gran Turismo series and simulators in general, um, but Gran Turismo is one of the worst in general. And I don't know, again, if this is from a technical reason or specifically because it has so many brands that um, the damage model for cars isn't very complex. Um, Cars don't smash up and get crashed in in massive ways. They really only get like little dents and scratches. Um, Whereas something like Burnout which doesn't have real life cars, like you just smush them to pieces, like literal tiny little cubes. Um, um, and I don't know of any racing game that's ever got away with like really wrecking real life cars. Like you can definitely get, there are definitely games where like, um, you know, body parts can fall off of real life cars, but never like crushing the wheelbase in. And I think um, obviously the car manufacturers, A, don't want, their car on display mashed up and then taken out of context 
Uh, B, probably because, um, the, especially these days, safety regulations are obviously a huge proponent of, like, even just, like, selling a car, um, like, how safe is it? And if, if you can uh, smash a car into pieces, it might not actually accurately represent how the car would smash. And these cars are, the, like, heavily designed to break in a very specific way. Um, then you've got the whole technical idea of, like, well, how do you simulate that across 600 different cars and the way they do that um so i imagine there's a million things going on there um but i imagine also very brand controlled and that's probably why gran turismo with so many um is so limited on that um so that's like a one example of like how these brands can just um like where, where that barrier and boundary and relationship is between the consumer the developer and the car manufacturer um um but yeah, other ones are just like in general, like what what is what is in this game because it's it's fun for me to be able to drive a car that I like or or use um, the manufacturer of these tires. Like I recognize that manufacturer, and there's something satisfying and realistic about that. Versus this manufacturer approached Polyphony, and they were like, "Can you get our tires in there? Is money exchanging hands?" Um, I have no idea. I'm sure there's a great article somewhere on the internet about it, um, but I would love to know. But then, yeah, looping back into, like, that history thing, the thing I immediately thought um, was, was, well, what does this stuff say around, like, um, around, like, World War One and Two, like, World War Two? Like, what, what, what are we, what are we doing when we look at some of these brands and like their involvement in the war and the, and the output and input that they had on, on World War II. Um, and I, uh, I, you know, looked through like Volkswagen. Um, I looked through their personal history. I looked through Volkswagen's personal history. Uh, nothing, not no mention of World War II in, in Volkswagen's personal history. And I just, I'm just curious, I guess I'm just curious, like, um, is that a stipulation from the brand or is that a stipulation because polyphony doesn't want to go into it? Like it's, yeah, it's a really interesting, weird sort of uncomfortable, especially when you're talking about something like that. But like in general, like that relationship is, is weird. Um, yeah. Fascinating. I think, I think this, I think this series is so fascinating. most looking forward to with every Gran Turismo release it's to see what UI they've dreamed up their UI design and graphic design again is another example of a way that it manages to stand out somehow and I can't really describe it in a way that makes sense but they have kind of stuck with I mean PlayStation 1 era they were like quite edgy and but again like these kind of high quality rendered menus that really stood out mixed with, like, these beautifully 3D-modeled cars that would come in and out and, like, um, pre-rendered video and all that kind of stuff. And up till now, it's... they For a while, they've had this kind of, like, again, this highly polished, shiny, often skeuomorphic, which I always 
uh, adore when people <laughs> chuck in a lot of drop shadows. Um, but yeah, there's there's some real, for me. There's some real pleasure in seeing how what random UI they've come up with. Um, I would love to hear them talk about the his. I would God. I wish. I wish. I wish. Maybe it exists. Maybe I just need to fucking learn Japanese. But like. Um, I would love to like just watch watch whoever the UI lead UI designer is at Polyphony Digital. I would love to just watch him or her break down every game's UI <laughs> um, throughout the series. That I would I would pay money for that. Um, uh, and then like it again, it loops back into the nostalgia factor of like they use quite a lot of the same sound effect sound effects throughout the series for just like moving around the menus. All the same music comes up over and over again, kind of either a new rendition or the, the original ones. Um, so for me, really, that's my, the thing I look forward to the most and then seeing what weird decision they made. And then, you know, throughout my time playing it, hoping I come across a car that I actually want to drive, which is rare. And that's not because, um, that's not because they don't have lots of cars. It's just, um, I think cars are quite a specific taste. And I think a lot of the pleasure comes from being like, I hope they have a car that I like. <laughs> Um, and that's true of all racing games, um, for me at least. I wouldn't recommend Gran Turismo if, if you're not interested in, in driving games, um, but they are a fascinating little um, uh, huge um, cultural part of PlayStation and Sony and the games industry as a whole. Um, and I hope it continues. I guess my hope for Gran Turismo going forwards as a series is really just to keep doing what it's doing. And I'm, I'm never going to love it like I used to. It's just not... I'm just not there anymore, but um, hopefully it can, like, with Gran Turismo 7 and going on, it, like, can hunker down a bit and um, grow the stuff it wants to grow and um, continues being a weird thing. So that's that, I guess. That's Gran Turismo. That's me. That's this week's app. Thank you for um, tuning in been nice it's been chill um we're gonna keep making podcast episodes so hopefully next week lucky will be back don't know what game uh links in description for any and all socials um yeah thanks again and let's speak soon all right bye bye